what's the limit to growth? Because obviously you've thought about like, when right. does this thing start to crack? And when would you start to feel like, woof, that might be too much? Like, how are you going to manage the growth in the best case scenario? Oh, so if we we're just so big that it's like, yeah, I mean, let's go to the moon. Michael. Hi, Paul. Michael, what's your job here at Postlight? I'm the head of digital strategy. Oh, thank God somebody's doing that because I used to be responsible for part of that and I was terrible. You're welcome. Yeah, you're doing a good job. Thank you. So you like to read things on the internet. I have been known to do that from time to time for the last 20 years. And you like to paste those into Slack sometimes. It's an addiction, really. You're also a photographer. People should visit your website. What is it? It's michaelbshane.com. michaelbshane.com. I would say that I have been a photographer and I love photography. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but you, but you know, let me, let me do this to you. But you have a really nice camera. I have a nice camera. I've had many nice cameras. Isn't that great when yeah. the photographer is just reduced to the camera they yes, have? Yes, it's like all that. about the equipment. Nothing else matters, That's of course. exactly it. Your yeah. eyes, your sensitivity right. to the world, your sense of light. All of those None are of subsumed matters. by like a $15,000 Megapixels. Leica. Exactly, exactly. All right, so you read something on the internet that got you all interested. I did. I read about a new app for photographers and for the photography community oh, thank called God Glass. somebody finally made an app for photographers. There's never been one before. This is true. That's where we come in, right? Yes. And so because we have the unbelievable power of a podcasting platform, <laughs> what happened next? I posted a message in Slack and I, should, I said, hey, we should really talk to these guys. This sounds interesting. They're trying to do something really interesting in a difficult, challenging space in an interesting, challenging time. Why don't we see if they'll be willing to spend some time with us? And they didn't. They absolutely refused us. So now we're going to talk about <laughs> that. No, uh, we were very, very lucky to have Tom and Stefan to join us from Glass. Thank you. Oh, hello. Could both of you in unison or maybe just one of you individually, really up to you, Tell us about this app and, and what it is and just kind of help us get our bearings. Yeah. So we're, I mean, in a nutshell, it's a new photography community. It's a platform. It's an app. It's an iOS only app at the moment, specifically designed for photographers, especially to this audience in particular. We took no venture capital funding to start this project. We did it entirely bootstrapped. We started it in October of 2019. For that right there, like that's a big, bold decision in 2019 to take on no venture capital to try to build something different. And we felt that was incredibly important for starting a community like this, because as you guys so eloquently mentioned in the beginning of this, you were like, there's been a few photography communities online over the years. Um, <laughs> and to do something different, we felt like we really needed to do something incredibly different. And that was to take on no venture capital funding, and then to do something in a social space to take on no advertising model and do it entirely subscription-based. So those two factors are, are very differentiating for our platform and one in which we think we can differentiate ourselves from the competition and others that have tried to do this in the past. We're definitely going to get to the business model. I think paying for things directly is is interesting. I'm a big fan of paying for things. I think that's a good thing. I mean, it, it was how we built the society we live in. Yeah. So you answered my very first question, which is who is Glass for? You said photographers. But really, the the real question is the question number two, which is what what is a photographer in 2021? What does that word mean now? I mean, we're all photographers at this point. We all have 
phones these days we all have cameras but when we think of photographers and photography these days like there's there's kind of a nerdy subsection of people who are really focused on the craft and effort to make a photo not just take a photo and i think that intent is a big driving factor for the community we're focused on not just the broader i want to be taking photos of my kids or I want to take photos randomly, just snapshots to remember things by. This is like geared towards people who really want to craft and make a photo. So how do you make good product decisions for that audience? Are either of you passionate photographers? You know, how did how was it that you became so enthralled with this space? I mean, yeah, I've been a photography, amateur photographer for, you know, 20, 25 years. I mean, maybe even longer at this point. I loved the Flickr photography community in 2006, yeah. 2007. Oh, uh, so aw, great. You know, you know in 2009, I did a 365 self portrait project, did them all. Oh, got, yeah. Got through the whole Don't, the whole, don't whole give year. up hope because Verizon AOL may bring that one back. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. always a chance. So, Tom, you've, you've always loved photography. Yeah, it's been a lifelong passion of mine. I mean, I, I was, the idea for Glass started for me in 2013. I had recently left Facebook. So I was a product designer for Facebook from 2009 to 2013. There you were building and knitting together community in, in 2013. That is a hell of a feeling, right? Like you're seeing people use yeah, this stuff. and we had bought Instagram then. And, you know, I, I sort of saw the potential for where that was going to go. And I don't think it hasn't gone that way. Like I think in, it's almost to a point where it's Instagram is, is another Facebook ish platform. It's some, it's something else now. Yeah. If Instagram, let's say had never been purchased by Facebook, if it had stayed an independent company and it continued on the trajectory it was going on, would you still be making glass now? By which I mean, is you feel like glasses is, is a reaction to sort of what you see as a, a shortcoming of what's currently available to photographers in the photographer community, or is it something in and of itself? I think there's two questions there. So I think the first one, which was the Instagram question, if it had been purchased, I think venture capital and needing to constantly grow to hit an exponential growth rate is going to cause you to need to either pivot or just grow to a massive, larger audience. We want, we have big ambitions for glass, but we weren't we're not trying to build a massive, like for everyone platform glasses specifically designed for this particular focus and niche. We're, tr we're focused on building a lifestyle business. If you want to call it that, like that's really where we're, where we're after. And so by doing that, we had to absorb venture capital and focus entirely on the community. But it, the beauty of that and the business model we chose is that we get to focus entirely on this community, which if like Instagram hadn't been purchased, it would have still gone for that growth because it needed to get bigger and larger and it would have likely have had to expand past that. So when I when I think of glass and where it's going to go, it, it needs to it can stay focused and remain focused because of that, because of our choices. This is a fundamental puzzle, right? Which is you're building a lifestyle business, you're not taking VC. First of all, great, right? I like for what you're trying to do, that makes a lot of sense to me. But second of all, then all the motivating factors that everybody says are supposed to be there when you're building a new business, like how are you going to get talent? How are you going to get people aligned with this? How are you going to build this thing out if you don't have a random guy in a, you know, like a nice vest, like a warm vest? Giving dumping, out lottery tickets. Yeah, dumping yeah. 20, 30 million dollars into a money hole so that you can spend that money. Like Tom and I have both worked at, at companies at various sizes, right? And if I look at my own background, uh, most recently at a few high 
growth startups that were fueled by VC money. And I think it does create a certain expectation that the company needs to become a certain size and you need certain people on board and you need to hire, hire, hire. And it always needs like talent, talent, talent. And I'm I'm not really sure if that's always true. I think you can also build something on a smaller scale and keep it small. And I think by doing so, one of the, the benefits that you get from that is that communication within a company is also way easier. So in my mind, it's a lot easier to rally a small group of people behind a certain goal than trying to do that with a huge company and trying to do it that way. Maybe it's an unfair question or a difficult question because maybe it's not about size, but take this wherever you want to take it. How big, for lack of a better term, does glass need to be in order for it to be a success? Or how are you measuring success? From my end, it's it's simple. We want to pay ourselves what we consider market rate salaries. So we can we're no longer we're not tempted to leave or do something else. And so glass needs to be big enough to meet that goal. And so once we hit that, we get to continue to work on it. And that's really what we want to do for the foreseeable future. Are there any models for you? Any companies like this that you look at and you're the one I always think arena to me always sticks out as like a very are.na as a as a community around visual stuff that that seems to have built itself like what else sticks out the one that i like to reference which i think gets ignored from a lot of males in the community would be uh ravelry i don't know if you know it's a oh sure of course it's a classic it's a classic for knitters right like i think there's a lot of these opportunities for more niche platforms to really find an audience and grow it. I just happen to really like photography. And so I wanted to build something that I love and Stefan also loves photography. So it was one of these things where it's the one we chose and we, we love, but it, these are, there's lots of other niches out there that this new business model, I think opens this opportunity to, to do these things. And people are all of a sudden willing to subscribe to stuff that wasn't the case just a few years ago. And so I think that, is really exciting for us. And I, you see it in newsletters and, you know, a Substack, mm-hmm. and you see it with these other platforms, but social really hasn't mm-hmm. tried it in earnest, I don't think. And so it's exciting to see it move into this space in this way. So it, you bring up a really interesting point, which is that today, all of us are sort of paying for our consumption and our entertainment in five and $10 chunks a month at a time. So how do you keep glass high in the rotation so that it never becomes that, you know, $5 monthly are, are expense. Are you talking the about the block. great newsletter call that will soon happen? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Where like right? year two, that $50 isn't quite as motivating. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, I, you know, I, this is a, a question I have later in my in my plan here, but I'll bring it up now is, yeah, you know, in your interview with Ohm, which everybody should go read because it's a really good primer on all this, you talk about how you don't have an algorithm. You know, you guys are not toxic dopamine pushers as far as designers and product thinkers go. So what's the core loop in glass that keeps it high on that list so that it's always people are never going to say, ooh, hmm, I could save five bucks. What's the core loop? Well, I mean, right now our core mechanic is comments, which seems really quaint Mm -hmm. and old school at the time. But we started there because (laughs) it's really simple. You get notified when someone comments something. It's a chronological feed or reverse chronological feed of your of of the posts of the people you're following. This seems quaint, but was very much the standard at the time, you know, like. Yeah, this is important. So for all of our listeners out there, I think you should know that there was a time on the Internet when comments were wonderful and enjoyable and edifying. It was Thursday, November 7th, 
2006 for 45 minutes <laughs> on Metafilter. It was it was a great day. It was a great day for us all. No, but we've we've mentioned Flickr a couple of times. I mean, I think oh, back on God. the you know Flickr with a tremendous amount of fondness. There was this time from like. 2006 to relatively deep into the first Obama administration when Flickr was kind of this magical community, right? I think that's fair. I mean, I also, Matt Ha, he's a, a friend of mine and Metafilter has a special place in my heart for it too. I mean, there's, those are, it's another great reference. We, we had Matt on the podcast and it's still my favorite title ever because I called it this is how we do it. <laughs> oh, that's anyway, perfect. And, yeah. That's amazing. So essentially what your thesis is that Really substantive conversation and a real community without fame is enough. I don't know if it's 100% enough. We still have features we want to build for it, mm -hmm. but that's where we felt it was the absolute best place to start, which was to focus on community, yeah. authentic community, being really authentic ourselves, making and creating a very safe space for people. We mm -hmm. invested on, in things that I wouldn't say... Most startups would focus on. We built blocking, reporting, and deleting accounts, your own content from day one features, which often for startups like this, that's not a day one feature. You mean you're not going to hold our data hostage? Well, but I, I think for like as a customer, right? Like there's a certain kind of customer. I'm, I'm one of them where, boy, I want to see it. Blocking, sure, but export and things like that are so important on day zero before you invest yet more time and energy into another thing, especially because there's a reality that these things may not last forever. And you're, you're going to give them your, look, we're going to, I'm going to give you my photos. Eventually I might want my photos back. That is not an unthinkable thought, but the first like 15 years of the web, everyone just kind of, or the first 25 years of the web, everyone has done a lot of work to keep it unthinkable. What has been the hardest thing to build? Because we live in a candy land of web services and tools that, that make the stuff easier to do than it used to be. But like where, as a small team working on this, did you find the most friction? What's what's still complicated? Yeah, I think, I think we've mostly been really laser focused on using as much off-the-shelf components as we can. So for example, instead of rolling, you know, you're not going to roll your own contra distribution network anymore, right? You use something off the shelf. So we use a partner for that. And I think we invest heavily in the cloud services uh, that we use. So we, we try to use as many off the shelf services as we can. I think where the most complexity comes from is we're like a very, very tiny team with very limited time, especially because in the, in the past year and a half, this was mostly just a, a side project for us all. And like constantly trying to find sure. the time to communicate with each other what we're what we're building how all the things connect to each other how how the mobile app talks to uh, to our backend and doing that on a weekly basis and constantly making progress i think that has actually been been the hardest part for us talk through your stack a little bit cuz people want to know is it you know slack and github issues or like what are the tools you use to get this work done it's it's not very a surprising stack i would say i, I mean our iphone app is uh, built in swift our backend runs on aws and is built in in go and in javascript and then uh, in terms of tooling, uh, we use like all the standard startup tools that you see everywhere. So Slack, Notion, GitHub, yeah, you name it. We try to keep it fairly, again, fairly small because the more tools we have, the more complex it is to, to manage. So yeah, we, we try to keep it a little bit limited in that side. I do think there's a product management war coming between Notion and Coda, and I'm just calling it Choose a side, our, people. I just, want our, I just want everyone listening to prepare themselves for countless conversations about which is better. The feelings about these platforms run 
very There's deep. a new one to universe, I think. Don't tell me oh, about a new God, one, please. It's exhausting. I don't want to know. Reinvent- I don't want to know. Oh no, it's no. everyone so, is just reinventing like <laughs> So you two are in text. are in Amsterdam, but how big is the team now and and how are you distributed? So there's the two of us in Amsterdam. We have two contractors in Portland, Oregon, and one in Tulum, Mexico, a contractor. Ah. So we're pretty distributed at this point. In your interview with Ohm, you said that we're not a home for influencers. We're a home for photographers. That's right. I read that and I said, hallelujah. I'm so sick of every pixel I see being owned by some influencer. But when it comes to photographers, it can often be really hard to tell the difference between an influencer and a not influencer because it seems like creative people who work for themselves often have to act like influencers to make a living, right? So when you're working on the product roadmap for Glass, what defines that distinction for you between influencer and something else? Right. We went through this debate early on because we were concerned about it. So like basically brands are not part of the platform. But if you're a photographer, like if say you're an individual photographer and your brand is yourself, that's allowed sure. and you post your own photos and you market yourself and you want to do that sort of level of self-promotion. Got so it. So if you see any kind of like stealth advertising happening on the platform, that's a no-no. It happened to us. We had a product for photographers join, which it was kind of like one of those in between. Ooh, Ooh interesting. So how did you handle right it? Away. Yeah. Like day zero wow. edge case. That's yeah, why I talk love to us about that. What, okay. How did you work through that? Yeah, we went through this debate. We ended up, we removed the account. We decided that that was not part of the community. We ended up with that distinction. And I don't have the FAQ in front of me with the actual policy that we wrote, but that's, that was one of those things that we, we worked through. Daniel, our uh, head of community. Um, so that led to the policy or the policy guided the decision? We had the idea in our head, but we had to like parse it. Like, and that it was that one mm-hmm. that hits that middle that you always feel really uncomfortable making that decision. And it's really hard to make these calls early on, but it definitely defined the future of the product. Our community likes it a lot, the choice, but it was, it was challenging and it, you know, it felt tough, but we, we were glad we made it. This is, I'm listening to you and it's like, yeah, we were building this thing and so on and so forth. And now you're going to have all these users who are creative people who are going to have incredible numbers of opinions. And like, how are you bracing for that? Cause that is a lot. That's a, like, you know, that's and they're five, giving you money. Five, oh boy, when they, it's better than it used to be. It used to be if they gave you a dollar, they owned your house. Now it feels like people are used to buying things online and like they know that unless they spend the money, they're going to get dropped into a parched hellscape. But anyway, like yeah, yeah. users are a lot. Humans are a lot. How are you handling that? I think having designed for such large platforms and experienced the growth of them helps me personally manage that sure. mentally. I think a lot of it is that. Up oh, here we go again. I see. Yeah, or yep, yep. All right. Up oh, that guy's back. Yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah. You, I see, you see. I mean, you know the personalities that come through. It's still a challenge. I mean, I'm not afraid to say like the, therapy is helpful. Still like, surprise you. Know. you. Of course. <laughs> No, anyone working in community and moderation should absolutely have access to a therapist, right? Like it's, you just see too much human behavior that just will, is I, incredibly I mean, depressing. I think anybody connected, anybody with an internet connection should well, have access point, to a therapist. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, we think the internet connection is the therapist is a bad recursive. Anyway, regardless. <laughs> but I definitely want to like subject. jump in there a little bit on this point because I think it's yeah. interesting and one, 
So when I started at Facebook, I got into this fight with Dave Morin. I don't know if you know Dave, like, or of... Yeah, the guy who founded uh, Path, Path, right? Yeah, so we started there, and we were chatting about... This was 2009, and, like, open ID and, like, being, like, the, you know, one account, one user, being authentic, your authentic self online is going to help with people being jerks online. Like, they're not going to, like, that's going to be the the silver bullet, right? Like, cause you know, I started, um, you know, like BBS days and like trolls on the internet and forums and like nothing was really going to, everyone's anonymous and it's going to be terrible. Right. So our hope with this community is people are bought into it better. And so by literally buying into this community and paying for it, it will help solve some of those problems. Cause obviously being, your authentic self online people just don't care they were just jerks online anyway like they just <laughs> like it didn't matter like it didn't didn't solve the problem at facebook it didn't solve the problem like you know anyway connecting the real life person to the like you know your authentic self on twitter and people are ridiculous like it's so we're hoping that this will be a better space and a better community because people are bought into it and we're seeing that it's helping it's but it's still early days so we'll see where it goes People don't talk about this incentive very much, but because of the way you're structured, success is going to be, did we help people make more good stuff? And that is the anti-metric for a lot of places, which are like, great, a deep fried meme that 500 people clicked on. A plus, good job today, everybody. And and like, and this is the great struggle, right? Because we, I think I'm looking at you and you, you both are not the youngest people on earth. So that, that's where I'll leave it, right? But same with me. And there was a great flowering in the 2000s of, hey, let's bring the best we can. People will jump in, they will contribute, and we will create community. And sometimes, Metafilter early days was a good example. It really worked. People went out, they hired each other, they married each other. Like it was mm-hmm. a real, and it, by any definition, it was good and effective community. And I really do feel that the, Instinct to create was what was being captured there. And that community was coming out of people who shared that instinct. And then it also turned out that maybe not everybody, like maybe no more than 1% of the world is super motivated to make things all the time. But we had captured that group because the internet was so early. And I think that, you know, when you're describing the structure, I'm like, okay, that stands a chance to get that group back in. How do we, and this is an impossible question that I'm asking in the room. I don't have an answer for this. And if I did, I would just, I think, float onto a cloud. How do we create more and more spaces like this? Because I think that the idea that the internet will suddenly revert to everyone writing a blog every day, that's not going to happen, right? We're past that. Mm -hmm. What would you advise people to do if they wanted to make a space like this for a creative act or, you know, an aspect of a community that they wanted to preserve and build? Where do you start? I, I'm going to jump in because I, I feel like really just starting is important and not taking on venture capital to see those dreams and ambitions go. I've been motivated my whole career to make little things on the internet, make stuff, and to do that with discipline and purpose. We had this idea, but it took finding the right people and then just a weekly meeting Literally, like I, it sounds so boring, and so, but we have a we had a Wednesday meeting for two years, well, a year and a yep. half, like that just kept us going. And I think mm-hmm. those two factors—the passion of what you want to build, the community you want to see—and then 
patiently doing it. It also helps we have a lot of experience. We've done a lot of building and designing and product stuff, you know, finding those right people. But if you have the skills, if you know how to do this and you're really passionate about it, those things make a big difference. If you go get a bucket of money from venture capital and then I'll go into a room and build something and then those people are going to want to see a rapid exponential growth that's not going to lead you to this sort of space that you're hoping for. An example of someone who I love these guys, you know, they made Cocoon. Do you remember this little uh, messaging app, no. like private messaging called Cocoon? No, they I recently missed Cocoon. sold to... I think it was Substack. I think they acquired the team That's right. Behind yep, you're right. Cocoon. Substack. Yeah. Somebody bought them. Yeah. So like Cocoon took all this extra venture capital money and then Substack ended up having, buying them. And I think Cocoon needed to sell because the venture capital like game was there, but they were a private messaging app built for the small community. People just like an, an alternative and it was beautiful, incredibly executed, well done. But the business model is inevitably like needing to scale. And it, at mm-hmm. that point, you just can't. I don't think you can craft these small communities in that way. Maybe if you find the right investment partners and really are there. But I, when I talked to um privately about this early on, like he's, he was an early beta tester for us and it gave us a lot of early feedback. He's an incredible photographer. You know, he's like, don't take on venture capital. If you want to do this, don't do it. You know, and he's a VC. like, you know, I, so I was, it was a real strong and motivating <laughs> signal for us to, to not do that. No, totally understand. I mean, I'm, there's a, tiny message board image sharing community called malt shop. Oh, I don't know this. Oh, it used to be called milkshake. It's very like, yeah, it's very meta filter adjacent. And so (laughs) I've been part of it for maybe 10 years now. And it's my one place where I can goof off and nobody cares what I'm doing. Nobody. And it's just me resharing dumb memes, like just silliness, nothing, nothing too dramatic. And I, I'm I'm happy to pay into that community every year. Like just utterly happy to because it's a nice place. And I think that people don't under what they miss is the value of that. Maybe as you get a little older and you, you have to live your life and it's not going to be entirely through this community. And that has to be utterly uninteresting to every venture capital fund out there. It's what I just described. That's the last thing they want. Yeah, they don't want that. That's not, there's no reason for them to invest in it. Why would you do that? But, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of space on the internet. And I don't think a lifestyle business is a bad thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. Well, I think it's very important that you've said, we glass are a lifestyle business, right? Because that means necessarily there is no 100x return. Because it's a lifestyle business. Well, it's something it, else. It you know? gives you, if people come work with you, they need to adjust their expectations there too, right? Like it's it's just yeah. a different scene. You asked how we attract talent and like our contractors have come to us specifically because they're excited about what we're doing. And they're even, mm-hmm. they're working on the side a little, but they're we're getting good rates from them because of this message. Like they believe in this. They want to see something like this on the internet. And that helps us until we can grow more. We want to pay, like, again, we're, we're looking to get to fully sustainable market rates for everyone. And that's right. it's really the, the win, the goal, the end for us. I mean, also a loving and huge community of people, photographer sharing, and that's obviously it. But from the business side, that's, that's where it comes down. Yeah. You've been working on this for a couple of years. You recently had a relatively significant publicity push. You know, there's you're getting people in. So I want to ask you, can we do a little pre-mortem? I'm sure you've already thought a lot about this. 
at this point, how might glass totally fail? You know, what are the major obstacles Whoa, or my the risks that, that you see standing in your way? <laughs> was that is that was that, is that too much? No, 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 no. I mean, let's let's not up to I, me. I tried to smile with my eyes as Ooh. I asked the question. Wow. So okay, so failure states that your wonderful new startup will achieve. What what? <laughs> yeah, you don't. You, uh, you don't like, have. I mean, I can't. I, it's. I mean, we we worry that we're not going to grow enough, right? Like we won't we won't reach that that critical threshold of sustainability, and that's. So we're working really hard. We have we've grown it enough. So the big publicity push got us to a point where we can. Like Stefan and I are basically working on it full time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but that's not yeah. fully sustainable. Like we can only we have to grow it to get there. So we're close to that that threshold. And so obviously, you know, publicity is great and pushing for it. We're releasing a new feature that should go out this week. We're really excited about it that will help, you know, make things more public for people. And that'll be really exciting. So you get to choose to make your profile public. This is one of those product decisions that I find really fascinating because if you were at a growth startup, you would need to automatically turn that on like everybody's profile would immediately be public but we took the time in the app to make a toast and give you a setting and really encourage you to do it but you have complete control over it your profile is private by default but if you choose to you can make it public on the web so you can go to glass.photo slash tom for example and you'll see all the photos i posted and then there's an opportunity for sign up so it's a you know it's a it's an additional feature that we feel is private and really valuable to photographers, almost like a mini portfolio. But again, you get the community aspect of it as well. So you you, you get a lot more value for your subscription, yeah. which we think is going to be really valuable. And this is all thanks to That's great. Stefan's amazing ability to handle the back end so you know, we can serve these these images at good sizes, high quality, and the bandwidth costs. You know, things have all come yeah. down. Yeah. You can do these things now you couldn't do. We've talked about sort of like don't take their money. And it's actually worth people people out there listening. When you think of VC, a lot of times you think about like their seed rounds where they're going to help you hire some engineers and so on. I think you guys have that unlocked. A lot of VC is like we're going to help you pay for marketing so that we can blow this thing out. Put that aside for a sec. Like, How do you scale this community? Because eventually, you know, even as a lifestyle business, if it's working, more and more people will be telling more and more friends. And there's lots of people with camera phones and other cameras that are taking photography very seriously. So as you get, let's say you did have one or two orders of magnitude of growth. How are you going to preserve this core? That's a great question. It's a great problem for us to have, one that we're like excited sure, to, to, sure, like, to handle and to, to deal with. I think the way the product works today, the scale isn't always felt. So, right, you follow a certain subset of people, right? So you're you're following 100 photographers and the network effects of, you know, scaling to find the photographers you want are important, but to have more and more people on the platform might be hidden from you. It's just, you know, the discovery and finding those people. So we'll work, we'll work and need to scale those pieces of the puzzle. But, you know, like, we don't really want to grow too much more in terms of moderation, which, you know, obviously we talked about earlier, which is like, oh, we have to like deal with all those issues. But that's where we would probably have to put our the most of our investment into, which would be those issues. I'm curious, what do you think is the right number of other photographers for someone to follow on glass and still have the kind of experience you intend? 
It's a great question. I mean, it depends obviously on how much they're posting. We make following and unfollowing quite easy and it's chronological. Like if you find someone who's just like spamming your feed, you're probably going to unfollow them. And that's because we're choosing not to do an algorithmically generated feed. We find that to be incredibly important. Path, you know, famously had the hundred people. Like there was like, you had a limit to following right, the number of right. people. So I'm not answering your question directly, but I think there's something in that, sure, in sure. that sort of area that will make glass feel great to you. Yeah. One thing we often tell people who are struggling to get involved in the community right away is like, because we have basic discovery and we're improving it constantly, you get a lot of value from following and commenting. And then people comment, you sort of be the community you want to see. And that really has worked well. And so we hope that by laying that early foundation, that community is going to spread in that way and it'll be welcoming and continuing to do so. I also interviewed... Was it 30 or 40 photographers yeah, 40 or 50. before we started? Yeah. That was a habit that I would do every week when I would interview them and ask them what their needs and their wants and really just like dig in with them. Interesting. So you're building this sort of mental model of desire and, and what people want from a platform. Yeah. And then we also use Nolt, a feedback board, in order to manage the Ooh. input that we get from them. And it's a public feedback board and we rank it and we kind of organize it and it oh, wow. acts as a bit of a, a roadmap. So you can see, I mean, not overly explicit with everything we're building, but we like, you can see the things people are asking for. Well, no, this is really interesting because, you know, as I'm listening, there's a, a thing that keeps coming to my mind, which is it's all execution. Like if, if I was talking to you, I don't know, maybe if I was talking to other startups or VC backed startups or, or folks kind of like working in a different mode, it'd be like, well, this is our very, very secret roadmap. And we're going to do these very, very secret things. And that's how we're going to achieve our secret billions of dollars. And instead you're like, yeah, it's our roadmap and we actually have it pretty public. It's really transparent. And yeah, yeah. And it's, so transparency is obviously a big part of that. How conscious is that decision or how much of that is just like, I just got to work in the open or like what, how do you get there? I mean, it's in the name. I mean, not that like, <laughs> right, uh, right. Not, boom, but boom. Yeah. Been waiting all the whole episode for that. <laughs> wow. It, it, you set, you teed wow. me up. You teed me up. It was too easy. <laughs> Fireworks erupt. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, that was that was our podcast for today. <laughs> no, but I mean, what what are the virtues of being so transparent? Because most people would tell you, like, never ever share anything until it's launched, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we even did a glimpse into glass before we launched our categories feature. It was a blog post where we we told you categories were coming and what we were planning to do ahead of time because we were discovery was a little lacking. We knew it when we launched it. We got a bit more press than we were anticipating, which was great for us, obviously. But it took off, and so we had to. Sort of like be more transparent. It kind of pushed us in a way. We were already wanting to be really transparent, but like, and it's been good. I think our community really appreciates it. I think there's a, a point of like, we're going to do these things and this is the order in which we're kind of thinking about them or where we want to go with it. But then maybe keeping like our execution until we're ready to share until we're, or sure. we're, we're ready to ship because we've been working on another feature that's coming and we've been working on it for a while and we keep not getting there yet. We know that people want quick, positive feedback, which is right. traditionally likes or faves or those sorts of things. And there's a lot of loaded baggage with those fe that feature. And so to, they want that on glass, but how do we do that in a way that feels authentic to our community? We're working on that. We're transparent that we're working on that, but we haven't got it. We think we're there now. Right, Stefan? Like so. we're yeah. Right, Stefan. <laughs> we just need to we just need to build it, that's all. But I think theoretically we're there. <laughs> 
it's I mean, this sounds. I've already put freaked you guys out enough with the premortem, but this sounds like a pivotal moment. This this feature. This is when you're going to find out if your community has the same definition of community that you do, right? When you add that feedback mechanism into the experience, that's really exciting and terrifying. My, Michael's a very high stakes guy. I don't know if you am I. You think I? I don't know. Yeah, you like high stakes. Oh. Yeah, it is probably. If there would be a controversial feature for us to to tackle, this was this is the one. It's also the one we've been debated. Uh, I think I've been on the canal walks with Stefan, and he's hated it a few times now. Like we've gone we've gone through mm. so many names. Sure, right. So it's not like or favorite. We know that much. Yeah, true story. Not going to use those, uh, but we think we got a good spot. And yeah, but it will. We hope that we've sort of threaded that needle between you know, what the motivations were for that originally called the awesome button at Facebook when we, when, right before I got there, before mm. it became the like that we all know and love. And then, you know, the controversial switch from the star to the heart on Twitter. Like there's, there's also the other ask on our feature set that's really requested, which is bookmarking or saving. Our sure. users really want to like, you know, collect. And I was also a product designer for, and manager for Pinterest for f- almost five years. And so that's a, that's a feature I'm well aware of the mechanics and interest around that. So, you know, there's those two features are, are very interesting to see and it'll be a pivotal moment for us. All right. So look, first of all, how do people get the app? Second of all, what are you looking for in the world and how can people get in touch? You can get the app at glass.photo slash app or search for glass on the iOS app store. You can get in touch with us at high glass.photo get right into us, you know, contact us, try glass on Twitter. That's definitely our biggest channel right now to contact us directly. Should people be getting in touch if they want to come program or what, what are, what are you looking for? I mean, right now we're looking for passionate photographers who want to be members of our community. So we're (laughs) there. We are looking for those passionate photographers who really want to be part of it. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you for coming on the post light podcast. Thanks guys. Thank you Um, for having us. So Michael, can we do canal walks? Okay, wouldn't that be nice? But it's the Gowanus Canal. I'm fine with that. It's much cleaner than it used to be. Not really yet. So is, does this, are you excited about this platform? Are you like all in? I'm excited. We need more small communities on the internet. Okay, this will get you to take more photos? I already take a lot of photos, but yeah, I hope so. All right, so this is great. This yeah. is something good. It's Actually, good. let me backtrack. I already make a lot of photos. You make a lot of I photos. hope I will, make, okay. I will make even more. I have no eye whatsoever. So look, if people want to get in touch with Postlight, what do they do? Postlight.com. That's good. Postlight on Twitter. Yeah. Hello at postlight.com. All right, good. Good. You're getting there. Yeah. Did you haven't even any? been here a year did yet. Did I miss any channels? No, you did it. You did great. What's your phone number? Uh, 646. <laughs> All right, friends. Thank you to our friends from Glass. And, you know, anything you need, just just hit us up. We're Postlight. We're here to help. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.